محمد اللہ وقفم السلام علیہ اللہ This will be our last program for this year. And then inshallah after Ramadan, when there will be special programming on this radio station. But after Ramadan, inshallah, probably will resume. And so obviously tonight we wanted to give some last advice before we enter the month of Ramadan. Now there are a lot of advices that one could give on preparing for Ramadan. And those of our listeners who know about our website, IslamicSpirituality.org, they can listen to our more longer uh, lectures on this topic. What I wanted to do tonight was give some remarks and observations about Ramadan and Tasawwuf. What do I mean? I mean that that person who is a student of Tasawwuf and Tazkiyah, who is a Salik or a Murid of any Shaykh, what should they do in Ramadan? Obviously, anyone and everyone who has a Shaykh should ask their Shaykh this question first and foremost. But there are some things I will offer tonight that I think would be common understanding between the different Mashaykh. And that is that Ramadan is a chance to go deeper. Ramadan is a chance to work on our basics and go deeper in them. Ramadan is a chance that we should really work on our quality. Now what happens is most people in Ramadan increase in their quantity of ibadah, of ibadah and worship. And that is understood. Obviously, number one, fasting, so that will increase our worship because we've never, Allah, mashallah, most people will not have been fasting 29, 30 days consecutively. Second, Salat al-Tarawih would be a big increase in our ibadah in terms of our salat. Third, normally people recite more Quran in this month. Fourth is every zikr a person may increase in this month. Many people would like to go on Umrah on this month. So there's so many ibadat that a person does more on this month. And that will always be the case, inshallah. What I suggest is that this year, and generally speaking, a person who is a salik, seeker on the path of Tawas and Tazkiyah, should try to do better. Not necessarily more, but try to do their existing ibadat better. So let's put it this way. There will be two types of ibadat that we offer in Ramadan. One that we can call additional and second continuing. And it's very important because the additional ones won't continue. We won't be praying Salat al-Tarawih after Ramadan. There may be certain additional amount of Quran that we do because of Ramadan, but we may not be able to recite so much after Ramadan on a regular basis, on a continual basis. So when it comes to additional ibadat, definitely we should go for quantity and do as much as we can. 
when it comes to continuing ibadat, continuing acts of worship, means ibadat, acts of worship that we will continue to do, that we were doing them before Ramadan, and or that we want to do in Ramadan and continue to do them after Ramadan. And those continuing ibadat, we should try to focus on quality. So the number one, then I will offer four pointers on that tonight. The first one is our salah. Farad salah. The fara'id. The five obligatory prayers. Fajr, of the Maghrib, Isha, Ritr. Why? Now these are continuing ibadat. We obviously have to be doing them before Ramadan. We have to continue them after Ramadan. There's nothing additional. Alright? And especially for the men who are listening, every effort should be made to try to offer these salawat, these prayers, the in the masjid. So there is no notion of any additional aspect to them. For the women, however, who are listening, they can also try to pray these prayers more slowly, or with more focus and more concentration. You know, I remember a long time ago reading somewhere that Imam Ghazali had said, and a person that asked him about, or maybe not a person asked him, maybe he just wrote it in one of his works, about speed of salah and its relationship to concentration. And what he said was something very deep and insightful, and I've experienced this, the reality of his answer many times, both in myself and in many other people. And the answer he gave was that whatever speed enables you to concentrate more, you see, it depends on the person. It also depends on the moment, on the occasion. It depends on what's on that person's mind at that time. For example, there might be some people or some moments or some prayers that if you pray slowly, praying a bit slower will make you more methodical, more focused, have more concentration in that salah. But although one might assume and think that's always the case, that's not always the case. Sometimes what might also happen is that your mind is racing with so many other thoughts. Maybe you just got some really bad news right before Salah time. Maybe like 10 minutes before Maghrib Adhan, you got really bad news. Now, if you read too slow, your mind will wander and dwell on that news. And so sometimes reading slightly faster but with focus, reading faster but with focus, you can remain more focused on the salah itself and it will help you forget that worry or problem or difficulty that you just found out about in the example that we said 10 minutes before Maghrib. You know, you can almost imagine that if somebody... And this, by the way, I've experienced this more in those people who generally are trying to work on their salah because the general norm rule is that if you recite salah, but somebody who's been trying to do that generally. Now again, especially for dressing the wound, because if the men are praying the salah in jama'ah, then they have no control on it. They're the imam. Those of us who are not imams, we have no control over the pace of the prayer. But the women actually have an incredible opportunity here, that because they're not praying in congregation, they have the ability to control the pace of their prayer as suits their focus and concentration. And so one should, and, and for men, this is for us to do in the sunnahs before and after the parah, 
and any other novel or extra purpose relevant to the men also, but maybe not in the full record. All right. Now, that person who normally tries to keep the prayer a bit slow so that they can concentrate, when they're worried, it helps them to change things up because they're used to praying slightly slowly. But now they have this great worry and concern on their mind. So if they pray a little bit faster, they have to be more focused on the prayer because it's a new type of prayer for them. So you can imagine like if somebody drives at a normal speed, but now for some reason they have to drive fast. That's if they're going to the hospital or something. So because that's not usual for them, it's gripping. They have to, they're so focused on driving now because all of their focus will be on driving because they have to drive fast. But just like that, the person who normally prays Salah at a normal speed, when they pray a little bit faster, they will be so focused on that Salah now. So that extra focus will help put their worldly matters out of focus. Now for those people, who most of us may fall in that category, is that no, it wasn't our normal practice to try to pray slowly and methodically. Unfortunately, it was our normal practice that we rushed through our prayers. So again, the same thing will work. When we force ourselves to slow down and be more conscious and methodical in our recitation during Salah, it will be a change from the norm. And when we change from our normal practice, then we'll have to be more focused and more aware of what we're doing. So this is why then a person should, for most people, it will be better to slightly slow down the recitation in Salah, and that will increase the quality of their Salah. And this isn't just about reciting Qur'an and Qiyam in the standing position. It's also about reciting additional supplications in bowing and prostrating in Ruku and Suju. So instead of only three times saying Subhanahu'l-Bil-Adeem to say it five times or seven times, same thing for Subhanahu'l-Bil-Adla to say it five times or seven times as opposed to just three. This will elongate and prolong the Ruku and Suju and will also make a person focus more and dwell, inshallah, on the more on the meanings. Another very important way we can improve the quality of our salah is to try to memorize few ayahs of Qur'an, maybe two, three ayahs, three ayahs of Qur'an every day, and use them in our salah on that very same day. You see, sometimes you, in order to do something better, you have to do it different. And this is a major problem a lot of us have in our salah. The reason we don't do it better is because there's nothing different we ever do. And those of us who aren't houses of Quran in particular, and we struggle to go even beyond the 30th juz. So what does it mean? We're constantly repeating the same surahs in our salah over and over again. And then that sometimes can be monotonous. You know, it does come, a person can reach a stage in their life when they are so attached to some surah in Qur'an that repetition doesn't become monotony. Every time they repeat it, it leads to further meaning, further understanding, deeper feeling, deeper pleasure. So I'll give you an example of this. Once there was a group of Sahaba, and Sayyidina Rasulullah, it comes in a vase, but there was a group of Sahaba, and Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu alayhi sent them for some task. And Sahabakram, when they were away from Masjid Nabi, and obviously one of them would be Imam, otherwise when they were at home, and if they were living close to Masjid Nabi, then Sayyidina Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was their Imam. 
So normally, different Sahaba used to lead Salah, but this particular group, they felt that one particular Sahabi amongst them, he should always lead Salah because they were so respectful of him and his taqwa and his piety. So he would lead all the prayers. Now what happened in that whole time that they were away from Medina Munawra and that one Sahabi from them led all the prayers, the other Sahaba, they noticed that whenever he would lead prayer and when it was Fajr Maghrib Isha, his recitation that was audible that they could hear, he would recite different parts of the Quran, but then he would always end with Surah Al-Ikhlas in Ikulhu Allahu Ahad every time. There was no prayer in which he failed to recite Surah Al-Ikhlas. Now, the Sahaba, this is not something that they ever saw in Al-Sulullahi Sallallahu So when they went back to Medina Manawara, they brought it up to him. Generally, the Prophet asked about the task and the mission that they were sent upon. And they mentioned this also. Ya Rasulullah, we had decided, all of us, to make so-and-so our permanent imam because of our great love and respect for them and their great piety and taqwa and nearness to you. But we noticed something that we hadn't noticed in you. And that is that every single salah that was loud recitation, he always in addition to whatever else he may have recited, always recited Surah Al-Khalaf also. And so now we're asking you, Sayyidina Rasulullah said, okay, why didn't you bring him to me? So look at the adab of the Sabaqam, that they didn't engage in the argument, disputation, or fight with the fellow Sahabi. They waited till they came back to Madinah Manorah to present the matter to Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu and look at the azim, tremendous adab of the Prophet that he listened to what they said, but before he commented on it at all, he called for that person that let me hear it from him. So they went and that sahabi went for, and he came. And the Prophet related to him that, okay, look, your friends are saying this, and he said, yes, that's what happened. So then Sayyidina Rasulullah asked him, okay, what? And so then he told the Prophet Sallallahu he said, But actually what happened to me, Sayyidina is that I have so much love for this surah, surah al-ikhlas, ulhu Allah ahad, that it's just not possible for me. My heart's hell, the state and condition of my heart is that whenever I recite Qur'an, I must also always recite this surah. Now when he explained his reason, so the reason was he's not claiming it's a sunnah, he's not claiming that he imitated the Prophet mm-hmm. on this. The reason was his hal. The reason was the condition and feeling of his heart. So when Sayyidina heard that is the reason, he said, okay, fine, what you have done is perfectly fine and good. And then he told the rest of his companions what he did is perfectly fine and good. So that is a level, yes, that a person could reach. That is called hal that their heart is so attached to a surah that they always repeat it, because repeating it gives them a new meaning, new understanding, new feeling every time. But unfortunately, most of us aren't like that. And most of us repeat the small surahs, few verses, ayat, passages that we already know. And because we're repeating them, unfortunately, although it shouldn't be like that with any part of Quran, but because we're repeating them, sometimes we do so mindlessly. 
So one way then to improve the quality of our salah in this month of Ramadan is to learn more Qur'an and then use it. And then you will enjoy. And then you will get a new thrill in your salah. Because every time you do something new, it's exciting, it's thrilling, it's enjoying. And we need to get more enjoyment of Qur'an inside our salah in Ramadan. You know, I'll give you another example that if you ever meet a very good architect and an architect who in a positive, acceptable way takes pride in their work, passion in their work, you will find what that every project they do, they want it to be thrilling and exciting for them. Every project. Maybe they design a small house. Maybe they design a huge building. Maybe they design a whole complex. Maybe they design a masjid, right? They want it to be exciting and thrilling. They will try to do something new or something different to make it exciting and thrilling. And everyone will be, every project of theirs will be a labor of love. So just like that, we are architects, should be architects of our salah. Designers, Allah SWT. He's given the blueprint. You know, we have to execute it. We have to make every single salah a project. And most of us, we don't, do, we don't have that attitude year-round, unfortunately. But Ramadan, because of the barakah of fasting, and the increased awareness and heightened spirituality that comes in our heart because of the fast, we have to use this part of the fasting and the closeness it brings us to Allah SWT. We have to use that to help fix and improve the Fard Salah. The Fard Salah. And we'll be more likely to do that in Ramadan. And the best chance we have of doing it is normally in Ramadan. So we have to now in Ramadan, yes, we'll have additional prayers. But the continuing prayer, we have to fix that. We have to make, we have to increase the quality of our Fard Salah. And quality in Fard Salah from awareness of Allah Ta'ala, zikr of Allah Ta'ala, feeling of Allah Ta'ala. So one way that is by reciting, that can be achieved is by reciting slower. A second way is by learning new Qur'an and using new Qur'an and reciting to Allah Ta'ala. New, not, not new Qur'an, but new verses for us. Verses that we have newly memorized of Qur'an al-Qur'an. Now you know there was a great alam of deen. One of the greatest ulama of our elders of Deoband, his name was Mulana Muhammad Qasim Nanotri Mulatala. And it's well known, it's narrated about him that he, in his name, was not a hafiz of Qur'an. And he set out on a journey of hajj. And in those days, people would go to hajj early on, months in advance. Number one, because they wanted to be safe, and sometimes the journey took a long time. And second, because they wanted to stay there for a long period of time. So he set out even before Ramadan. And when he went and he traveled by boat, it so happened that when Ramadan started, or when they found out that Ramadan was going to, when they knew, they knew that Ramadan was coming, and they were on the boat and they were trying to make arrangements and planning, and when they were making the planning for Taraweeh, they discovered that, strangely enough, out of all of the Hujaj Kiram, all of the Mu'minin intending to make Hajj on that boat, no single one of them was half of the Quran. Now, it is Sunnah, it's not required, but it is Sunnah, to recite the entire Qur'an in Salat al-Taraweeh. That is why, by the way, those people who leave after eight rakats, they, if nothing else, miss out on the sunnah recitation 
because obviously they only hear maybe half or less than half of the Quran in the month of Ramadan. Here, so Malana Qasim, and all of love the Sunnah, and all of our Akabras, they were like that. And they could not fathom that even the slightest Sunnah should be lost or omitted or missed out upon. But there was a problem that there was no Hafid of Quran, so who can lead to the Riyah and recite the entire Quran? He made an intention. But okay, what he would do is he would present himself to be the Imam of Zatatarawiyah, and every single day he would memorize one Jurah, one accepted his Niyah. I feel personally, if I was to comment on the story, it's the part of Sunnah. It was his love for Sunnah and his desire for a Sunnah to be fulfilled and his sticker that no Sunnah should be omitted. And this is the real mark of a true Alam of Deen. And this is the real mark of a true Wali and Sheikh that they have this incredible love for the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah and the love for Sunnah is always beloved to Allah SWT. And true and sincere love for Sunnah is always accepted by Allah SWT. Allah SWT accepted his love for the Sunnah that all of Quran should be recited in Tarawih. And then Allah SWT blessed him and enabled him to do it. And he memorized one Jews every day. And he recited that Jews in Tarawih. And here the month of Ramadan ended. And here he completed his hips of Quran. Allah SWT. Now me and you, we're not that strong. Maybe we can memorize three ayat a day. Maybe somebody can memorize ten ayat a day. Maybe you can start even with those verses of Quran that you almost already know. Or, for example, that you've heard many times the ulama recite, imams recite, in salah or in dhyan, right? Maybe the first ayat of Surah Rahman, you might not have memorized it, but you've heard it so many times. Hmm? Why don't you memorize a few verses like that? Enough that at least it's as, lo- as long that total recitation that you memorize a day, but at least as long as Surah al So if you memorize any portion of Quran at least as long as Surah al then you can recite that in one rakah of Salah. And you will get new recitation for yourself, newly memorized recitation, recitation that you will newly recite. And that will make your namaz more enjoyable. And it will make it better. And try to learn the translation and meaning. And then the deep understanding and the fear. And try to get the feeling of that first. So it has to be a project. It's not going to happen on its own. We have to make it happen. And that's a big thing in Ramadan. That we have to make these things happen in Ramadan. So one of the things that we have to make happen is we have to increase the quality of our salah. Quality of salah. Continuing salah. The salah and the sunnahs. Pray deeper, pray longer, pray better. And if we can manage to do that in the coming month of Ramadan, inshallah, then that can stay with us afterward also. You'll have something to take away. You can't take away the fasting. The fasting will end. You can't take away the tarawih. The will end. You can't take with the Ibn Abadah. You don't have the strength to do that additional Abadah year-round. But the continuing Abadah, improving your focus and quality in the continuing Abadah, that's something we can take away. So, first one is Salah. Second is Quran al-Kareem. 
we should try to understand Quran. This is why, you know, in different parts of the world, there will be ulama and messiahs trying to conduct entire courses on Quran al-Karim. And on the law, we also have arranged for such courses for men and women online broadcast for those of us who won't be with us here in Lahore. And you should try to listen and connect and learn Quran. Now, when these courses are conducted, normally here again, one juz or one sabata of Quran is attempted to be taught. Or, and those people who will complete half the Quran, then they will try to teach half the juz. Right? Now, it's not expected of any listener that even the very first time they hear the entire translation, commentary, spirituality of one entire juz, that they will memorize it, learn it, and retain it. And the very next day, they're ready to learn, retain, memorize yet another juz. No. You will learn and you will benefit from many things, but you may not remember everything that you learned. And what you have to do is during that session in which you listen and learn to one juz, meanings and feelings of one juz of Quran, you have to mark for yourself maybe a few ayat that touched you the most during that verse. And that can be what you choose to try to memorize for that day. So what one can do is that they can combine these two pieces of the time. Number one was fixing our salah. Number two is fixing our Quran. That if we try to attend live or online or through recordings, the different courses being conducted to make a person understand the meanings and feelings of Quran, and whenever when we attend a complete verse, a complete lesson, a complete period, and during that time highlight whatever verses made an impact on you right there and then, what moved you? And then try to memorize those three, four, five verses later on in the day. And then use those verses in Salah. Recite. And if you stumble, then go back and recite something that you had memorized properly earlier. But try. And it's only through effort that there will ever be advancement. So first, let's improve our Salah. And second, let's improve our Quran. And we're talking about quality. The quality meaning that understanding of Quran. Understanding of Quran. So have additional memorization. You can have additional recitation. But the real quality would be to additional understanding and additional feeling. Additional understanding and additional feeling. And the third thing to mention for tonight. So about now, you may be surprised because I began the program by saying, about the souls, but I really feel that Ramadan is about strengthening our basics. Ramadan is about okay, in these 10, 11 months, you sat with your sheikh, and you listened to the honor of your sheikh, and you were in the madras of sheikh, you were in the company of sheikh, you practiced different wicked of God, prescribed to you by sheikh. Now let's see, Has it, can it fix your core ibadah? You see, all the teachings of the souls, all the practices of the souls have a goal and the way you will check it is your core ibadat. Do I remember Allah Ta'ala more in my third salah or not? And if all of this tasawwuf and all this stuff I've done year-round or for years cannot impact my core ibadah, cannot even increase the quality of my third salah, all these wicked stars that I did, I still can't remember Allah Ta'ala more inside my third salah. It means his mission is incomplete. Effort was nakis, the effort was wanting and lacking. So Ramadan should be let's go to the core. Let's go to the core. 
ibadat. Number one was Salah, number two was Quran. Recitation of Quran, memorization of Quran, and understanding and feeling of Quran. Let's see how much this Tasawwuf is changing us. Let's see how much all this Tasawwuf has fixed us. Hmm? And third thing then is Dua. And really here now, as opposed to what I was saying about Salah, in, in Dua in particular, you want to have additional Dua. Because Dua opens up when you make more Dua. Here it's about quantity first. Quantity will lead to quality. It's not like that in Salah. You pray too well-focused. Nafil Salah might be better than quickly praying four, six, or eight. Right? But when it comes to Dua, Dua, supplication, making prayers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, here the more the better. Because what happens is, unfortunately, we human mu'mineen have put a lot of what in Arabic, or Dua, so they call it the the kind of thing, there's a lot of formality, artificiality, distance, both between us and Allah SWT. We're very formal with Him, we're hesitant with Him, and it's completely wrong. The most intimate relationship, the most in one level, obviously there's a lot of other and other but in certain aspects and certain meanings of the word, the most informal relationship, the most open relationship, the most loving relationship, the most beloved relationship is between Abd and the Rabb. It's our own fault if we've become stiff in that, if we've become rigid on that, if we've gone quiet on that. So du'a is a wonderful way to open this up. And when we begin du'a, no doubt we should begin du'a when the transmitted akur, yani transmitted Arabic du'as from the Qur'an al-Kareem, from the Sunnah al-Nabiya Kareem, from the Nullah al-Nabiya Sunnah. But then after that, you have to use those as a launch pad, and then you have to talk to Allah SWT. You have to turn to Allah SWT and supplicate to Allah in your own language. It might be English, it might be Urdu, it might be French, it might be whatever language it is. And talk, and the more you talk, the more your heart will open up. The more you talk, the more your heart will start talking to Allah SWT. Yeah, the more your heart will start talking to Allah And sometimes it happens in du'a. That if a person keeps making du'a, keeps making du'a, then all of a sudden they stop moving their tongue. They don't feel the need for words anymore. Because when they make so much du'a to Allah, now they feel close to Him. They feel qurb, they feel qareeb. And what happens is du'a is that secret weapon of the believer. A secret du'a is that super weapon of the believer, super method of the believer. To unveil the Quran, not even to become near to Allah Ta'ala, to become aware of the pre-existing nearness. To unveil his nearness, because Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Say, Inni Qareeb, Qala Rabbukum, Udhuni Astajib Lukum. That say, proclaim to, proclaim to them, beloved Nabi Akareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that they should. Uh, that tell them that their Rabb is saying that they should make dua to him. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala answers their dua. So Allah Ta'ala's Kareeb, generally, He is especially near when a person calls upon him. He is Akrab, when He is even more intimately near to us than our own selves. 
So it's not that dua brings us near. We are near. Allah Ta'ala is near to us. But making a lot of dua unveils that nearness. I unveil something mystical, unveils something to me that makes it apparent. And what happened, it was veiled because of our sin, because of our ghafla, our heedlessness, our idleness. We'd forgotten. But Allah Ta'ala was not kareeb. He said, but in kareeb, he's always kareeb. We had become unaware, we had forgotten, we had been veiled by our sins to perceive it, to feel it. So when a person keeps making dua, this is how we should also, the salik and seeker of the pleasure of Allah should keep making dua until they feel that qurb, until they feel that meaningful Allah. Now what happens is when a person enters that stone, when they feel that qurb, that nearness of Allah, and sometimes they don't feel the need to say words anymore. Because you know my love knows what's in my heart. He knows the needs of my heart. He knows the secret cries, the silent pleas of my heart. So then sometimes a person may keep their hands raised in dua, but they may not speak anymore. Because they start to feel like kurb. And then they, they're talking to Allah from their heart, through their heart, in their heart. And then a third stage can happen. All through dua. That is that now, after feeling the Qurb of Allah Ta'ala, now even their heart doesn't have any need that it's silently expressing. Because now the mu'min realizes that I need nothing except for Allah Subhanahu Wa When they have, and when they feel that nearness and Qurb, then they realize that all I needed was this Qurb, this is all I could ever need, this is all I could ever want. And then their heart turns to Allah Ta'ala in pure need and want for Him. You see, before it was, Ya Allah, illallah, that a person thought of all their worldly needs, ukhrabi needs, dini needs, but it was all types of needs. But when a person goes deep in dua and gets the qurb of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, gets intimate near to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, then they feel like, I don't know what all this needs. This is what I need. This is all I need and all I want is to have qurb with my love. To be near to my God, to be, to feel this feeling, to enter the zone. So when they enter the zone, then they forget everything else. So this is Ramadan. All of the souls in Tazkiyah was about to help us leave sin and follow Sharia and Sunnah. And if we were in any way partially successful in that, and to, to whatever extent we were successful in that, we get the raza and kurm, the pleasure and nearness to Allah Subhanahu so Ramadan is do it then. Go for the pleasure. Go for the nearness. Try our best. Reach out. Enter the zone. And Dua is also a wonderful way to do that. So we should try to increase the quality of our Salah. Increase the quality of our Qur'an. Hal of Qur'an. Feelings of Qur'an. And increase the quality of our Dua. But for Dua to increase quality, you have to increase the quantity of the soul to feel the Qurb. And then let just float away. Let yourself be swept away by the Qurb of Allah SWT. And let yourself be swept away, inshallah ta'ala, by the feeling that all I need and want is you. This is the dua, this is the real meaning and feeling. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa made his famous dua on the way back in life. Ultimately, the feeling he had in his heart was that, that all I need and want is you, Allah SWT. That's the asal of dua. The hakikat of du'a, the marfat of du'a, there's the reality, the, the essence, the truth of du'a, that it's the expression of our complete and absolute need in Allah Taala, and our joy in that need. That, that 
having the need for Allah Ta'ala is joyful and him being freed and willing to fulfill that need is, is artistic. This is what Ramadan is about. I make dua that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala bless all of us and make this a good Ramadan for us, the best Ramadan for us. Make dua that all of the listeners, wherever they may listen, benefit maximally from all their local ulama and mashayikh and programs and our online programs that we will continue to offer on the website of teaching Qur'an and explaining Qur'an and inshallah and other types of beyond. You know, so let's get some down from eating every one of the ummah. May he make it a Ramadan that is a means of rahmah for the ummah, makfira of the ummah, hidayah of the ummah. May Allah Ta'ala spend his special blessings on all of those who ever listen or hear to these programs. May Allah Ta'ala ونحن <laughs> We want you to draw us closer to you, you to bring us closer to you, to drag us closer to you, to make us closer to you, make it our dear, make it our nasib, to create for us, Yad Bikrin, make us near again, make us dear again, make us nearest and dearest to you, Yad Bikrin. Yalla, we ask that you grant us the best of Ramadan, the best of the fast, the best of Salah, the best of Atikaf, the best of the Sahba, the best of Dawa, the best of Irm, the best of Amr, the best of Taqwa, the best of Hayah, the best of Zikr, the best of Ikhlas, and you make it from your Makbul, Mahabub, servants and slaves. Ya Allah, Ya Bikreem. Rabbana Atakabal Minna, Innaka Anta Sami'un Khaleem. Watubu Alayna, Innaka Anta Tawabur Raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala, ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad. Allah, 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 Allah,